Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. Guy here. You're listening to an audio broadcast of Market Call. That's MRKT Call. It's a daily video series I do with Dan Nathan every Monday through Thursday live at 1 p.m. Eastern. We break down the big market-moving headlines and offer trade ideas. Each week, we're joined by our friends Carter Worth of Worth Charting and Liz Young, that's EY of SoFi, for their investment analysis. So check it out. And if you like it, follow at Market Call on on Twitter and subscribe to Risk Reversal Media's YouTube page so you never miss an episode. I don't know if you can see it. I don't know if we can do a one. What do they call that? A one shot? Yeah, one shot. This is my scary Halloween tie. This is scary. What is scary tie. about it? Ducks are scary. Really? Yeah, when there are a lot of them. If there was just one duck, it wouldn't be scary, but there are a series of ducks. Yeah, an army of ducks. Uh, market call. It's Halloween, 1 o'clock on the East Coast. Guy Adami, Dan Nathan. Carter Braxtonworth is in the wings. He'll be joining us. But let's go right to the rundown because there's a lot going on today, although the market looks vastly unchanged. We're going to do a little chart check on the markets, yeah, aren't we? Are. Yeah, we are. Fed meeting kicks off all those geniuses. By the way, Stan Druckenmiller has a lot of comments about Treasury and Fed, but that's for another show. And AMD reports. Fascinating what's coming up in AMD. Lots going on in the chip space over the last couple of days. Actually, it has not been a layup to just kind of look at the reaction to some of these earnings and Mm -hmm. just say the chips are falling apart. There's a couple in in the space. Some have done well. Yeah, some have done well. The AMD one is really interesting. You've highlighted on many occasions going back that quarter um, in late May, I Mm -hmm. think it was. April, May, Um, whatever it was. It was right right around the the, the breakout that we saw of NVIDIA in the quarter and guidance that they gave. Um, You know, that thing was 80 bucks and it went to 130 I think you mentioned it yesterday here. And here we are now. I mean, kind of at a level um, where it's something's going to give, don't you think here? It's either going to actually rip. Got down to 92. And I think the day they reported that, as you say, that May quarter, it was closed around 90. So we did effectively yes. round trip. trip the entire thing. Yeah. Again, they could pull rabbit out of the hat or, I mean, it could be disappointing again. I think the AI card to a certain extent has been played by a lot of these companies. I don't know what to tell you, but let's take a look at we're with the CME day. Yeah, it is. So we'll look at the E-mini futures in terms of the S&P and yeah. see what's going on. I mean, bounce back up to what should be, again, resistance makes sense. I mean, all this chart makes sense. There's a lot of noise here. The market is struggling to figure things out. We're obviously through the moving average. The moving average, is it flattening out? I guess it'll obviously flatten out more if we were to sort of deteriorate from here. This should be a level of resistance right here we traded through it 
doing a sort of a check back. We'll see how it plays. You know, you know what's out. amazing though, guy, when you think about this, let's leave this chart out for a second here. So, you know, I remember, um, you know, for about a month and a half during April and May talking about that kind of 4,100 to 4,200 mm -hmm. range in the S and P 500. And it wasn't until that Nvidia sort of, uh, you know, this AI fueled move where we saw that breakout. And when you think about that move from 4,200 to 4,600 over the next, call it two and a half months or so, it was all those top 10 stocks in the tech. Yeah, there was talk about this was brought in and out and it wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. Financials were acting like dog shit that whole time, mm -hmm. right? Industrials were starting to roll over. It was the topping out process of home builders. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, transport's disgusting, right? So here we are. We've round tripped that entire move. We're at this tech level here but we've done this again and again all of those sectors that i just mentioned guy they're all down on the year so other than 10 stocks that amounted for all of that outperformance you know what i mean that we've had the stock market is sick in my opinion it's i mean been it really yeah i agree with it. it's been a noisy year it's funny i mean if you're bullish and just think everything's great you could say the market's been great this year well it hasn't been if you're bearish you'd be like there's been some real underperformance yet here we are the s is exactly the same level so it's this is a market this year and we're in November effectively yeah. that has frustrated everyone unless you're tactical as hell and can see sort of the forest from the trees. If you had a level of dogma in terms of being bullish, you didn't do particularly well. And frank, you know, conversely, if you had that same dogma on the bear side, you haven't done particularly well. Maybe some individual stocks you've caught, but it's chopped a lot of people up. I think there's going to be a lot more clarity next year. Now, I think I know what's going to happen. But with that said, I think you're going to have a lot more clarity next year. Yeah, I'll just say this, you know, until we get through that kind of, you know, prior support resistance right there and we are right there. I mean, I, I could see a little bit of a bounce here, you know, like if you think about and we're going to talk you know, about Apple uh, a bit. They report Thursday after the close. I mean, if the Apple is not as bad as some expect now, it stocks down 13% from its highs and the guidance is is okay and China is not some big disaster, mm -hmm. you know, the market's going to rally. I mean, like, like, let's be clear on that. You know, like the financials are really oversold. Could you see people come in? Transports are really oversold. Industrials got really oversold. I mean, a lot of stuff is, is fairly oversold. Um, you know, so to me, if I wasn't, you know, thinking through my kind of macro, helmet here guy i'd say it looks like poised for a bounce from these levels well let's take a look at the next chart because we have a little bit of a downtrend line and yeah. i don't know necessarily if we can get to this is the nasdaq if we can bounce to these levels to your point i guess if apple pulls a rabbit out of their hat maybe you'll see us through the moving average i don't see it happening you know i think that downtrend to the extent that you believe that is one is intact there's probably another line below it that you can make sort of mm -hmm. parallel lines in this downtrend this down channel that we're in yeah. i think we've broken and you know when you see an nvidia the way that's rolled over over the last couple of weeks specifically apple has not traded particularly well yes can they say something in the market gets excited absolutely but more and more voices on the apple side of thing at least seem to be more negative voices over the last yeah. couple of weeks than positive but that voices. makes me a little nervous about the setup you know when you look at Apple, um, I just want to, I'm going to pull this up on my fact set machine right here. Yeah, okay. When you think about um, analyst coverage, okay. Why do we quote analyst coverage? Because it, it kind of is a big input as far as sentiments concerned. 34 buys, 16 holds, and three sells. If I were to go look at Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Meta combined, there are like literally, I think they're like 90 some percent buy ratings mm -hmm. on the stock, maybe higher. Okay. So Apple, at least the analyst community, 
seems a bit mixed on this thing. The sentiment has gotten um, a bit negative. So, and then the other point I just want to make about the NASDAQ today is like, I'm looking at up 10 bips right now, guy. Okay. So flat is 10, 15 bips or so. I'll tell you what's down on my screen. Apple's down, mm -hmm. Microsoft's down, Google's down, Amazon's down, Meta is down. So you're seeing money flow into some of these other parts of technology. Now, the last thing I'll just say this is that, you know, on Friday we had, you know, uh, Intel was up what 9% or something like that. Amazon was up six and a half percent or something like that. And the NASDAQ was basically, um, you know, down despite those two big gainers. So at this point, I don't really know how to your, I, I don't think that uh, NASDAQ futures, I don't think they get back to that downtrend. Nor though. do I. Yeah. I mean, maybe we get back to the moving average. I mean, that's a bit of a bounce from here, but I think structurally that's now broken. It's the first time we've really tested this moving average since, again, March, April, which yeah. makes sense. That's a conversation we're having. And we'll see, you know, the same way we overshot it over the last six months to the upside, you can see the same thing happen. It's not out of the realm of possibility to see the same thing happen on the downside but here we are and we're setting up for it into these earnings releases so we'll see how it plays itself all right out. well here's the good news i mean you don't have to take our word for it on the charts we mm. have actually a, no, a technical uh, you know expert here his name is carter braxton worth you guys all know him from worth charting carter team how well, are you as always <laughs> lots of moving parts and uh, lots of opportunity to make it or Hang on. So you know, we're just thumbing through the charts here a little bit. It must be very frustrating for you. Help us help us think about what we were just looking at in, in the S&P futures and the NASDAQ 100 futures here a little bit, because, again, they are contending right with those prior support levels a little bit. It feels like the S&P more so than the NASDAQ because it was a bit more extended than the S&P. Right. So the broad market at one point was up as much as 30 percent off of its October plunge lows of 2022, basically a year later. And now it's up half that. Um, and it is two things. Weak stocks that never participated since last October have gone lower and lower and lower. That's your Zooms and your 3Ms and so forth. And then strong stocks, which have carried the day, uh, accounting for that 30% gain, are all rolling over. That's your home builders, as you talked about. That's Apple and so forth. So we have this circumstance where um, there's a consensus that we are in a bull market because of uh, some sort of nonsensical thing that we went up 20% off the low. And yet there are no bull markets that start without things like small cap leading, beta leading. Uh, and so this makes this highly unusual, if not unprecedented. And we also know that right now, if one wants to uh, talk about the market, just as we used to speak of the Dow, what did the Dow do today? Now people have abandoned that. 30 stocks They talk about the S&P that started about 22 years ago. Um, but talking about the market is talking about the Russell 3000, which is, again, 98 percent of the investable capital in the United States. And right now, um, basically, the median stock is down from where it was on the plunge lows. So uh, the whole thing is in question. And if and as, of course, we were to get a Netflix type pop out of both NVIDIA and Apple, the market will, of course, um, climb a bit from here. If and as we were to get um, a Google-type drop from Apple and NVIDIA, the market will be sinking from here. And that's kind of the long and short of it. And maybe it splits and you get uh, one doing one, one doing the other, and, and we're just stuck in this malaise. But uh, the, the the I would just say this. The 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 the, the, the burden of proof is on the, the bull. Um, you don't have to say anything if you're a bear. You brought nine Russell 2000 charts with you. I mean, nine is a, that's extraordinary. So let's sort of walk through them because 
I've thought, I think Dan agrees with this. You obviously do as well. I think the fate of the market might rest in what's going on with small caps, the most economically sensitive group that has not traded particularly well recently. Right. So this is, and, and long-term charts have their point. Um, they're not going to help you make a buck today, tomorrow, but they're put. Um, they're good for context. So this is an all-data chart um, of the Russell 2000. And if we were to annotate the drawdowns, what you'll see here, of course, is that um, like any uh, uptrend or downtrend, you have countertrend moves. So there have been a total of 11 um, 20% plus sell-offs, drawdowns, declines, drops, whatever you want to call it. The average is 37.4. The median is 36. This one as of now is 33. Mm -hmm. And again, I think we've got a little bit more to go. How much more to go? Let's try to figure it out. Let's put a channel, and this is from the 09 low. Let's get rid of everything and just have the channel so it's very clear. And now let's telescope in and we'll just look at the channel. So this is the actual channel. Those are mathematically parallel lines from the financial crisis low of 09, which touches the COVID low. And here we are sort of um, having hit our heads in late 2021 at the upper band on our way down to the lower band. Now, do we have to get all the way there? No, but that's my hunch. Let's put some arrows in to annotate this. We can even flash those for fun. The point is that this is a very precise um, set of reference points. And so uh, down arrow, which I think we're getting, and that's the, the next slide, uh, I think ultimately that's that's the risk. And what that represents is, again, 13% down, which you can see. So final chart, the here and now chart, we're basically hovering at well-defined lows and now toying with the prospects of breaking those lows. Someone else could make the case that we're down to such an extent that you can bounce here a bit, sure. But structurally, this thing's got a problem. You know, Carter, and, and, and again, I, I think starting out with the long term is really helpful, actually, to just kind of put all of those sort of 20 percent drawdowns, you know, peak to trough in some sort of context here. And this one, again, you know, a press here. And, and I know you're going to say it comes down to what is your technique and, and, you know, right. And what is your risk management strategy? If I'm looking at the Russell futures and I'm looking, you know, at, um, again, trying to find a, a little ground here like i almost want to see them bounce towards that kind of 1750 level in the futures a little bit and then look mm -hmm. to put them out here um but again one of the reasons why you know we detail these trade ideas as it relates to futures is you can put a pretty tight stop in you can keep picking at it a little bit take some uh, a little losses mm -hmm. and see how they act when you get there so so if you're just looking at that chart there you can visualize where that resistance is and i'd almost love to see a little bit of a bounce and to guys point about this group leading to the downside because of the economic sensitivity, because of the cost of capital is going to hurt them first and that sort of thing. I, it feels a little little overdone near term uh, to me, but I'm going to look for a bounce back towards that breakdown level that was probably, you know, 1730 or so. God, does that make sense mm -hmm. to you? Well, it makes sense, especially if the broader... If we're in this bounce formation of the S&P, yeah, I mean, small caps will get dragged up as well. But I do think, and Carter probably will speak to this, I mean, every bounce in this group 
for the better part of this year has yeah. been an opportunity not to to buy the dip, but to sell the bounce has been the better trade. And I think yeah. that's exactly what's mm -hmm. probably going to happen here. All right. But Carter, the, the other thing that is really important is when we talk about higher cost of capital and the effect of just higher yields in general on, on a very economic sensitive group. We know that there's a lot of, um, you know, regional banks, um, financials in, in mm -hmm. the Russell 2000. Talk to us a little bit of what you're seeing in yields. You know, we had that 5% print in the 10 year it felt like that might have been the thing where okay people people who are playing for higher yields might have gotten the number they were looking for a little bit um what do you think happens from here because um to me you know we got this fed meeting tomorrow um, we know the cme fed funds tracker is pricing uh, you know a near certainty that nothing happens but in the face of some of the hotter economic data that we've seen some are suggesting that we might have a hawkish pause which will put a lot of focus on the december meeting especially if we continue to get hotter data what are your thoughts on yields right here yeah and we'll look at the yield charts but i mean just my own hunch about one thing we know and uh, whether it's uh, stated or implied, they do watch the stock market very carefully. And we now have a bit of a sell-off, right? So that um, uh, it's not much, you know, 10, 12% in the major stocks, but uh, it's enough to be discussed. They will, they're, they're aware of it. Um, and that might be part of why there's almost a 100% uh, guarantee they're not going to move, even though, you know, a lot of the data is still quite hot. Um, let's look at yields. Uh, these are all identical charts. And so there are no lines here. Let's put some in. Uh, this is a um, this is an annotation that depicts every um, dip in yield since uh, the lows of three and a half. So we have a six month ascent, three point five percent to five percent, and we've had these very orderly, which is often the case in an uptrend or downtrend counter trend moves. And you can see there that if you this is the sixth as of now we're down only twenty two basis points. But if you look at the uh, sort of the average of the preceding five, it's 31.6% base point decline, and the median is 31. So does it mean that this one's going to be in line with the median or the average or a little bit more? Uh, but the point is, um, it's all very sequential. Let's put the channel in um, just to make a point. Let's, let's look at the next iteration, uh, the down arrow. And so the question is, do we make it to the lower band. Final chart, uh, that's my hunch. And one says, well, it all looks as though it's foreordained, right? There's some sort of pinball game and it goes, it hits the top, hits the bottom. It doesn't have to be. But for now, uh, that's what that's what I'm thinking. And that move that you, and it makes sense. And you've talked, and by the way, you've outlined moves like this over this period of time that have come to fruition in the context of yields that have gone higher. I just contextually, I still, I'm still of the belief that yields go higher. Looking at this chart, though, you could see a situation where 10-year yields get back down to probably, given the time erosion of that channel, you know, 465 or thereabouts-ish, I'm spitballing, which means if you want to trade this thing through the lens of the TLT, for example, there's a chance maybe it gets back up to 88 and a half, 89. I think it's trading about 84 and a half right now. So that's how you visually can look at this and it's how you can trade it if you want. What I'll say though, Dan, is I still think yields, the trajectory is higher. Now, if we break four and a half on the downside, you have to ask yourself, what is going on for that to have happened? It's not going to be something particularly good in my opinion. So yeah. lower left, upper right, 
still continues, maybe a pullback. We're in the midst of right now. The market seemingly likes that. Um, we're going to talk about gold in a second as well. But all roads to me lead to higher yields still. And again, dollar yen now markedly through 150. Yeah. And Japanese tenure JGB is pushing up towards 1%. We haven't seen that in a while either. It's interesting you mentioned TLT, if they could pull that up here and, and you know, into tomorrow's event. And we just talked about the consensus now is kind of a hawkish pause, right? So if it was actually more dovish than some people might expect, then you could probably have a move back to those recent highs. To your point, I think it was about 88 and a mm -hmm. half a couple of weeks ago. So that could just be the knee jerk sort of reaction um, that we would see in and around a Fed meeting as a lot of people are positioned into that carter we really appreciate you stopping in on a tuesday um i appreciate it all this fine work that you see from carter detailing uh was on worth chart look at that look at that old-fashioned technical analysis guy what, what what's your tagline for nothing him? slick just charts so what i like to say is no emojis no hearts just charts just charts. All right, Carter Braxton. All right, man. I mean, learning learning a bumper sticker. I mean, if you saw a worth charting bumper sticker, yeah, right. We should, we should have those. Bumpers. And it said, it said like worth charting, and then below it, it said just charts with the dot 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 bitch. Yeah, that, you'd sell out immediately. All right, but here's the thing. So, I mean, the swag we could sell on the so, back of that. So when we came into the show, you know who we could get to? Who's who? the one that that's the singer that shaved her head and now she's back? Britney she, Spears. Britney Spears. Yeah. We could get her to be the spokesperson for Worth Charting. She would do it. Could you imagine? Yeah. That would be... Anyway, sorry, uh, uh, yeah. Dan. Dan. So, so we, no, like, no, we got in stop. here. We started with a rundown, and we have a lot Damn. to do, but I just want to give you a moment here. Oh. So your Rangers. You mentioned this. On the way out I yesterday, did. they're out west. They're on this... this, this yeah. They got this, you know, a bunch of road games. So the Rangers here. have been... The New York Rangers franchise, Same. an original yeah. six... You brought... By the way... I know. I did full bring... Full disclosure. I did bring it up. I, I didn't give bring you a minute up. to air it out a little bit. Original six franchise. Yes. For those playing at home, the Detroit, original... Detroit, Chicago, Montreal, and... Is it Boston? Yeah. That's and, very good. And the Rangers. That's right. You did That's a nice six. job. Yeah. You said Toronto as well? Good job. Toronto, right? Maple Leafs. That's an no, excellent job. So the... Five. It's original... Yeah. The original six. Yeah. Okay. Ranchers have been in existence for 97 years. Yeah. Now, granted, not a lot of Stanley Cups over those 97 years. But I've been a fan since 1971, I think, is my earliest memory. Again, probably too much detail. The Rangers embarked on a five-game road trip earlier in October. Took them to Vancouver, took them to Seattle, took them to Winnipeg, uh, took them to Calgary, and I'm probably missing. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. In their history, the Rangers have never swept a five games. Last night, down 2-1 in Winnipeg, a game that could have said, you know what? Tie it up at two. Chris Kreider out of his freaking mind. Yeah. They go to overtime, but not before a phantom penalty on Ryan Lindgren puts them in the box. Power play for Winnipeg with 18 seconds left in regulation into overtime. They don't score. Shesterkin stands on his head. Panarin, who's playing some of the best hockey of his career, feeds the Banachad game-winning goal. We go home. They they go five and five and zero. Oh it really a, is amazing. You don't care. No, I do care, and you know I'm. They a played Ranger Carolina fan. on Thursday it's at a home. Thirty-year anniversary of their last Stanley yeah. Cup. Okay, and listen, just that clip, Amanda. You know where to send it to WFAN. Okay, because we're trying to shit. find. Guy, no, guy does have a down. day job, but but you would love to be 
calling I broke the it game down. tonight. All right, that was awesome. I wanted to give you that okay, moment. You don't it's care. A, it's By the historic. way, the, and now I'm really gonna get into. Okay, we gotta go. No, we got we gotta go. The Rangers. If you're a Ranger fan, which many of our viewers and listeners oh, are, yeah. they they historically are shitty in the faceoff circle. They yeah. don't win faceoffs. Yeah. It's a really remarkable. This year, after last night, they are number three in the NHL in faceoff win percentage, yeah. coming in almost fifty five percent. Okay, that's it. That's just you know, I just got an email, and I'm just—it's our two fifty, our football, our NFL football pool. Yeah, I am dead last. How is that out of a hundred people? Dead last. All right, let's move on. Out of a hundred people, yeah, you should win something for being. I I think I might. Um, guy, you just mentioned gold. Yeah, let's pull up the gold chart here, and then I want to look at the dollar. It's on its horse, but no, it is. And we talked about it a little bit. We were on the market call on Sirius XM yesterday. We got a call from JM and the car firm here. Um. His question was, and let's black, let's back this out to a five year now. So okay, because I, I think that's what you want to look triple at. Triple tops. I know. I'm and, using and, air quotes. Yeah, if you're listening yeah. to us in the uh, yeah air quotes, um, what did it, what, what, what did your old girlfriend, your high school girlfriend say? The longer the base, you Louise Yamada. Yeah, the, the, the higher, longer the base, the higher. And can we, hey base. Diaz, can we get some eyes on? We Louise should get Yamada? we should get Louise Yamada on this. She'd be great. Yeah, and I we weren't. She's on my okay. We went to grade school together. That's okay, the extent of. But so, you look so, at this chart. Okay, so base. you're bringing it up for a good reason. Yeah. You obviously had that huge move a couple of years ago. Yeah. That move was rejected. Traded sideways for a long time. Another subsequent move, rejected. Traded up again. I mean, you see what's going. You see the pattern here. Yeah. Well, now the gold is rallying in the face of what's been a stronger dollar and in the face of what's been higher yields, obviously, until the last couple of days. Those are typically historically tremendous headwinds that the price usually doesn't like. We've managed not only to hold ground, but to gain ground in the wake of that. Now, if Carter's right and yields do go lower here, that headwind will become a tailwind. And I think gold takes out those previous all-time highs. And that's when I think the next layer or the next round of buying will take place when all the systems get triggered on the buy side. All right. So we're we're, we're going to keep, keep an eye on it. Keep I mean, an it's, eye on it. It's a pretty constructive long-term chart it's a very nice base but on a short-term basis it's up a whole heck of a lot yeah uh, let's look at the dollar the aforementioned dollar mm -hmm. okay the u.s dollar nice little consolidation here i mean that had a really nice run you know we spent that time i think it was in july august when that chart it fell off the bottom right yeah. and it seemed like something was going haywire a little bit here and so its ability to get back it had that little v reversal and it's come you know got above those highs from the springer so now it's consolidating are we setting up for a move higher in the u.s okay dollar? so let's just break down why that happened if you remember this is now in the that move lower is in the wake of silicon valley and all these Correct. regional banks the fed had to add liquidity the interpretation is, all right, the Fed's done. They can't continue to hike. They're going to go back to quantitative easing, blah, blah, blah. And the dollar obviously didn't like that. Then the market came to its senses and said, wait a second. That was sort of a window in time, a snapshot. They're still on course, and that's why the dollar has rallied, not, not coincidentally, with yields going higher. To answer your question, okay, yes, I think the dollar can go higher here. If you do see a little backup in yields or if the Fed comes some dovish pause, whatever nonsense people say, yeah, you'll see the dollar back up here. But I got to tell you something. Given what's going on globally now, and you see what's going on with dollar-yen, I think the dollar is sort of, I don't want to say hair-triggered because it doesn't trade that way, but I think the dollar is going to be that wrecking ball to the upside that not a lot of people are paying attention to. Then you're going to say to me, well, if you believe that, there's no way that gold's going to rally. I understand that historically has been the case, 
I think both can happen. I think you can see gold higher, and I think you can see the dollar higher as well. It is interesting though that when you talk, I anticipated. Like, so the question. dollar, the dollar strength though last year had a lot to do with euro weakness, right? Yeah. And now it's you know it's basically past the baton to Japan and in the kind of end of yield curve control. Yeah, we do CC. We do a podcast on the tape podcast. Drop, we have Moses. one that drops on Monday. That's with Liz Young, EY sure. from Elizabeth. SoFi. And one that drops on Friday. That's with Danny Moses. Yeah. And your favorite. Well, it's not. Apparently, it, well, it's Spotify. I have a favorite podcast store. Yeah. I only mention this because yeah. now it's probably two or so months ago. Yeah. It might be longer. Amanda can probably. Maybe it was in August. I, I, it was probably August. We did a podcast entitled Turning Japanese, yeah. where we broke down all the things that we thought were going to happen. And lo and behold, here we are. So that yield curve, YCC, you see every once yeah. in a while, the people are scared to ask, what does that mean? It means yield curve control well that genie's out of the bottle well listen i'm running on vapors here guys so let's let's get oh, to sorry some... i apologize no, you didn't no. you, you didn't see what i did there huh who who wrote the song the vapors there you go yeah nothing well nothing no the, i mean turning japanese was a song by the vapors and um i believe that I'm was wa- the name of the podcast turning japanese yeah. and what did i say to you i said no, I'm, I'm running, running on vapors okay. okay um good job Jacob's saying that was August 4th, the day. I said, I said August 3rd. I was pretty close. You're you're damn close. Um, Let's look at some single stocks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because again, you know, we thought that earnings season, um, you know, was going to be a big driver. We're going to get to kind of put the Fed on the back burner. I think tomorrow it'll be interesting to see if we do have some volatility, but I have a feeling that Apple Thursday after the close is going to be a bigger driver for equities. Okay. But we're going to, we're going to hit Apple tomorrow sure, um let's look at a couple names that are driving like 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 cat is a great one okay caterpillar stock's down six percent today mm-hmm. and look at this stock this was just in august this stock was making 52 week and and were those all-time highs also i mean like it was basically you know and look at that gap okay so it broke out to a new 52 week high 293 okay? i think it was it, in all, middle of august yeah and uh on earnings and to give all of that back to actually like for a company to go out and report results and give guidance and give commentary and analyst Q&A, right, and everything like that, and to have the stock do what it did just three months ago and now to round trip nearly all of that move. I mean, what does that tell you about the visibility of the company? They have none. Demand destruction backlog is obviously – it's all about demand and visibility to your point. And when it's great when things are going well and they can justify valuation and it's cheap, it's cheap, it's cheap. The problem, of course, is these are cyclical companies. And when that changes, that turns on a dime. And that visibility that they thought they had, well, they currently don't have. Caterpillar should not move. The way it's moving today, especially on a pretty benign tape, stocks down six and a half percent today, which is a remarkable move, especially considering the fact that it's been selling off into this. So you ask, what's the next level? Well, it's not outrageous to think you could trade all the way down to about 205 or so, which I think was the low, the 52 week low this year. And I think if I'm not mistaken, was in early June or late May. So buckle your seatbelts, folks, because that move through that moving average is now broken that will start to sort of flatten out. And I think this can sort of feed on itself to the downside, especially if the broader market starts to roll. So you just said something that's really interesting. Um, I like uh, to think uh, that I always stock, say things. No, no, no. Well, this one in particular, that the stock you know, down 6% in a benign tape. 
we are seeing um, single stock volatility that I have not really seen since 2020. And this is not a small company, by but, the way, $115 billion. No, I company. know, but and also gaps. I think gaps are really mm -hmm. important when you think about charts, that sort of thing, because it means that like the kind of people have spoken, you know what I mean, about going in a direction, whether up or lower. There's been very few gaps higher of late. But I want to pull up, like, you you put this in our chat this morning. Look at this Sarepta uh, Therapeutics, yeah. SRPT, Again, they could pull this one up. I mean, look at the magnitude of this move yesterday it was sanofi and again granted that's a small cap stock i mean like the list goes we're, we're having some big moves there are a few look at that look at that i mean like that is truly uh again amazing. you know surrepted it's probably at its peak was maybe a 15 billion again i'm not we are not saying this is what the broader market is going to do that's not your point that's not no. my point but again, when you see moves of this magnitude, and again, this is not a $100 million stock. I mean, this is a yeah. six, $7 billion company. That's sort of scary. I mean, yeah. to your point about single stock moves, the only thing we haven't seen is obviously broader market moves. It's been this rolling thing, all these different individual names. I guess the rub is when does it manifest itself in the broader market? And that's what we're trying to and deal listen, with right hey, now. Hey, just to be fair, look at Arista Networks, ANET. And we talked about this. That's the ticker ANET. You know, this is a $60 billion market cap company. It's up, you know, 13%, um, better than expected results. I think last week it was down on the meta guidance. It was their CapEx uh, mm -hmm. guidance. I think maybe they get, you know, 20% of their sales from meta. But this is also the sort of things you hear us use acronyms. You hear us talk some of this stuff. Customer concentration, you know, when you get to a point where there's an inflection point in the economy and companies start pulling back on certain things when you have a high customer concentration that's when you start kind of seeing some of these sorts of um you know big moves one way or another yeah so real quick and 26 percent of their sales um are, are and what's interesting here because i remember having a conversation because i'm <clears> looking <throat> at it right now we said you can draw an uptrend line from <laughs> earlier this that. year we said from like April, march april you can see it. Your your eyes can see it. And we said that, you know, this level that we just traded down to a week or a week and a half or so ago takes us right down to that trend line. And if you want to go longer than that, Jacob or Steven, you can go all the way back to, I think, January or, you know, March, April, March or April of this. There's your trend line. Yeah. So that uptrend <laughs> line is intact. It mirrors the moving average, as Carter often says. And we actually outlined that last week. Now, you could also draw the parallel line of that and say we're in this up channel that we're probably going to top out at at some point. But that's how you look at charts. Sorry, back to you. Fair enough. All right, let's look at another in the semi sort of space. Look at that. Look, look at that channel there. Um, let's look at NVIDIA. Wall Street Journal had a report out that $5 billion of Chinese orders for their um, advanced GPUs. We know the, the Biden administration has put curbs on the sale um, of those advanced chips. We know that NVIDIA did a workaround with some technical sort of stuff there. So they were able to do that. Um, Listen, we don't really need to spend too much time on it. That's 150-day moving average. It's sitting right on it. Look at that. It's a textbook, head and shoulders. Our people are really good on the charts. You know what's – you know, by listen. the way, thank you, Doug Cass, who has pointed this out yeah. for quite some – he's yeah. been in front of this. Now, let's just say this. NVIDIA's off cycle, as you've mentioned a number of times. Yeah. I think they report in December. But you look at the island that was created back in May. 11-21, Nov 21, three weeks. That's when they report, uh, November. Yeah. The island that was created. See that little gap there? Yeah. If you're just looking in the middle of the chart, that that is still intact. I mean, this is going on five or six months. 
I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if you get a gap open lower, for example, I don't know what happens, but for some reason this thing opens around 380 or so, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you created that island reversal and get out of the freaking way. Katie barred the door, and I don't know what it is. I don't know what's on the back of double ordering, triple ordering. They pre-announce, God forbid. Yeah. Well, so, that would be so here. This will be all right. So this will be an interesting exercise tonight after the close. AMD reports. Mm -hmm. AMD is going to have chips that are going to come out that are going to compete with these H100, these GPUs that test these generative AI models. Okay. Now here's the deal. Depending upon what they have to say about the availability of these, maybe there's some customer wins. We, I just actually had a great conversation with Deirdre Bosa Debo. On, on OK Computer. She is the host of CNBC's Tech Check. That's going to drop in your favorite podcast store tomorrow Spotify so go check yeah go check it out but we were talking about a bunch of this stuff how is amd or anybody who wants to take market share from nvidia okay they're going to compete on price of course they are okay so think about that right so if amd is going to come out with a chip that's not as good but it's going to be cheaper when these companies are trying to figure out how to get their costs in line because they don't have a commercialization yet for a lot of these generative AI tools that they're integrating into their products. So AMD, they it could like both of these companies could do really poorly, meaning like AMD could launch a product. It could be a bad product, but there's going to be plenty of companies that could just buy the product because they don't want to pay what they have to to NVIDIA, right? And that could be a huge dent for NVIDIA. I think NVIDIA will fill in that gap guy back toward three, uh, 350. I also mentioned this, that today, as we're talking right now, is below $1 trillion in market cap. So mm. it's in that zone. It means it's below $1 trillion in market cap. Mean anything to you? Not really. Well, I'll tell you what it means. It means when I had to sit on the desk and listen to when they, after they yeah. reported the last quarter, when the stock was trading. What desk? CNBC's Fast Money desk? That desk. So $516. That was, like five, probably, probably 520 like PM yeah. in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. And, and listen to the, the, basically the diatribe of about trillions and tr trillions and trillions of a yeah. total addressable market and valuation doesn't matter you and buying it, huh? they're in the catbird seat and yeah stock has now gone down over 100 dollars that's thing. over 20 percent we, we we had to do this all fall we had our all winter like so it does we, go down listen, we had to do it with tesla we had to do it with NVIDIA, okay? Like, look, look, look where Tesla's. Pull up Tesla here, okay? Tesla's fundamentals have been getting worse. At the same time, NVIDIA's obviously have been getting better, okay? But it's not about the fact of where they are right now, like the growth rates. It's the fact that they will be decelerating. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the main point about the NVIDIA. Now, let's look at this Tesla for a second because to me while these companies are very different obviously okay um the sentiment wrapped up around them is very similar to me okay the valuations really probably don't make a lot of sense and to your point what you're saying is that 520 on august 21st when you're sitting on the desk and those numbers came out you're listening to people talk about things they probably don't know much about right but what you know about is sentiment sentiment right like you knew who's the incremental buyer at 516 you know who it was <clears throat> somebody was short and skin mm, that's right Okay. And then all the longs, the people who've been who've owned it for this, they're selling. And that's why the stock has gone from 500 to 400. But if you tell me that this company's growth decelerates further, it was 70% year over year, then it went to 40% year over year, and then it gets into the teens when they report on November 21st or something like that, the stock's going lower. Okay. So just real quickly, guy, on this one, on the Tesla, this is a perfect storm. Okay, for what's going on in this company. Rates, this is the product that needs to be 
financed. Okay. So Musk talked about it on the call. Well, he wouldn't shut up about it, but they've lowered the prices of these cars six times, six times. Okay. At a time, I don't know if you noticed this. Did you see the UAW? They just did these deals with Stellantis, with Ford, with GM. What do you think that does? If you're a Tesla auto worker and you see, I want more money. I want more money. So they're cutting costs because they think there's price elasticity in their product. Better hope so. It doesn't prove to be the case. And now all of a sudden, if the story is that margins are getting worse on these cars that they're making, and now there's going to be upward pressure on wages from their workers, no bueno. The bull case for Tesla a quarter or so ago was that was trough and trough margins, and margins were going to start to reaccelerate. By the way, the stock was trading, I think, around 245, 250 or so at the time. Mm -hmm. Now you see where it's trading, and nothing's really changed. And Listen, you cut prices if you think there's going to be the flip side of it is going to be commensurate or more demand, and you make it up on that end. You're not seeing it. Yeah. Which I, is a problem. I mean, I listen, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, NVIDIA is a great, NVIDIA is a really important company. It's not an indictment of NVIDIA, the company. It's an indictment of the marketplace and the valuations that the market put on the back of it. Well, here's the other thing that, that's interesting that this stock, Tesla, has sold off as dramatically as it has. It was $300 before they reported that Q2 result earlier in the summer. And, and you see where it is right now um, below uh, 200 or in, in around that. Where is it right now? I'm looking. Yes, yeah, just it's right at $200. Um, you also saw this headline that Twitter, um, they're marking the value down to $19 billion on basically too the one-year anniversary when Elon paid $44 billion. So he put up a lot of equity. He took a lot of debt, $13 billion in debt. And we also know that the um, ad revenue, which is largely how they are going to basically pay back that debt, is down, I think, over like 50% or something like that. So when you think about that from the Twitter, the lower Tesla goes, the more pressure it puts on Elon, right? The lower the valuation in Twitter goes, um, you know, you better hope these SpaceX uh, rockets still still go up and don't blow up, you know, that sort of thing. Because I don't know, I've said this for like a year and a half now, Tesla shareholders are like literally on the hook for this Twitter deal. They just matter of fact are. So now look at that. Look at that. Wow. Who did that? Jacob, Amanda, Amanda Steven. That's fantastic. I don't know. All right. Well, that's our little. All right. Yeah, just before small. we get out of here, guys, just real quickly on the that's, AMD. That's Musk in the middle. I, I want to make one point about semis here. Taiwan Semi a couple weeks ago told us they're seeing basically some stabilization in Reacceleration in 24. Yeah, in PCs. Okay. So they're looking out to 24 and they're saying reacceleration. Intel, you saw what they did. Okay. Not as bad as people expected. And while they don't have any sort of real foothold as it relates to AI chips, you know, advanced GPUs, AMD is clearly there. Like they're on the doorstep. They're going to tell you in 2024. So could this stock set up for a near-term rally the way we saw um, Intel rally? If we have PCs, if we have yeah. smartphones, if we have data center, if it's all kind of stabilizing a little bit. We did hear from some of the industrial semis that industrial is not good. We heard from on semi that industrial is not good. They pointed to one uh, a, a car manufacturer and I, people think it was Tesla. It was one. Of, so a lot of mixed, mixed signals here, but this thing, you know, the setup, the setup on the long side is the best it's been in a while. Yeah. I mean, it's been selling off effectively since that Zenith, that one thirty five high or so, I think in late July, when was it in June or so? Yeah. I don't even know. So yeah, I mean, the setup is really good here. They don't have to say a whole hell of a lot to get the stock up that, that 8%. So yeah. 
if you're looking for a trade, you can trade this one. All right. So, so the implied move in the options market, um, I'm looking at the at the money straddle. So the stock is like 97.60. I'm looking basically at the 97 straddle. That's the call premium and the put premium. You put that together, you get about seven and a half dollars. You can do that math there. That's about eight percent either direction. So if you want to play with the five risk in the weeklies, no, if you, let's just say you just bought the 98s and you paid, let's say, three and a half bucks. Okay, one one and a half. That's what you need mm-hmm. now. That's in two trading days or three trading days. Not a great risk reward, but if you had a lot of conviction, that's one way to do it. I would say that if you're long the stock, buying the 98s at like four bucks, that's a really expensive hedge. You don't want to really do that either. You know what I mean? So I we just break it down a little bit so you can see how the options market market is pricing it. And it's kind of um, it's kind of rich, I would say. If it's kind of rich, then you know what? You buy the stock and you sort of say, you know what? I'm going to play. I'm going to just play a little. You don't get the leverage yeah. that you get in options. But if it's too rich in terms of vol, want to buy the stock here for a trade. I don't leverage. Know Look at you. Leverage. Leverage. Yeah. That's like, oh, by the way, shout out to Wilf. Oh, yeah. Wilfred Frost had a baby and his wife, Kaylee, had the baby, actually. He was probably just there with the support and everything like well, that. Husband and wife. Yeah. So the baby together. That kid and they named be... the baby after Wilf's brother who passed away. Yeah, Miles. It's beautiful. It's a really nice name. Wilf's the man. Miles. Like, there's a lot of... there. Miles is a pretty cool Miles! Name. All right, so a little guy in baseball. Oh, little, yeah. So we got to get out of here. Amanda's like... Money. There's a genius late. who works By the way, set. be a Ranger fan. Exactly. And you always walk in and you say, Miles. Seven and two New York Rangers. Pretty good. Really, you've only played, I think, two home games. Um, so they come back to the Magic World on Thursday, play Carolina. Carolina is always a good squad. That's going to be a test. And I don't even think, and you've been talking about this, Amanda, as well. I don't think Shostarkin has played his best hockey no, yet. yet. Not and if you think games. about it, I mean, this is doing with Mika's only got two goals. I mean, you're doing this really on the back of Panarin. Alexei Lafreniere, is, is, you could tell. He's starting to understand how the game is played. You don't care about any of this shit. I'm That's it for Market Call. I want to thank the great Carter Braxton Worth, Dan Nathan. Thank the audience. Backset, as always, CME Group, our great sponsor. Where risk meets opportunity. Risk is going to meet opportunity on Thursday night. Yeah. By the way, all you net fans, there are three net fans out there. Congratulations on your first win last night. Enjoy that. <laughs> uh, we'll see you tomorrow. All right. See you later. 